right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Recap Discussion, the freeform show where I take a usually a very specific idea and we run it through all the people here on the PointCast team and we just have a, a fun little discussion about it. Uh, I'm your host, Josh, as always, and with me today, I've got some fun people in the room. We've got our... <laughs> don't you laugh at me. I've got um, our, our one of our writers, Anthony Arnold. Say hi, Anthony. Hello. We've got our analyst, Alex Crohannon. Say hi, Alex. Hey. And of course, we've got the boss lady of PointCast with me today, Francine Dash. Say hi, Francine. Hi, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Good. I guess I'm good by myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I'll speak up at once. Excited. I'm always excited for these. I really love them. Yeah, this is a fun little thought experiment. We've done one of these, uh, maybe two, I don't remember. Uh, I, I know I know. there's one we did for sure. Either way, we'll get into it. Um, I call these America what ifs. Um, there are situations in where I discuss kind of a core aspect of America, whether it's like a specific moment in our history or a specific process that we use. And we discuss what America might look like if it was either different or maybe not existent at all. And today, I want to cover the two-party system. Mm. I know that's a bit deep. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot, obviously, here. And there's a lot of history leading up to what this is and what it means and how it currently exists. So what I'm going to do to start with, to kind of kind of prep our, to prep our discussion here, I'm going to give some historical data uh, about the way the two-party system kind of came about and the way it kind of became what it is today. And then we're going to discuss a couple of very specific things about our current two-party system and uh, maybe some things we can do about it, maybe some ways we can change it, and generally what you guys think about how it becomes. Okay? Everybody good? Yes, sir. Yep. yep. All right, let's get started. So technically... We don't have a two-party system. We have uh, as many parties as we technically want system, but the real issue that we have is that there are, there's normally a common ideology and then a counter ideology, and those are generally the ones that people tend to flock behind. Um, and we saw this as early as 1790. Uh, this was the beginning of, of the, the kind of two side of the argument, usually elected officials uh, getting involved with situation we have here, um, where we have the Federalist Party and the Democratic Republican Party uh, at odds about how the, how the um, federal government should operate in terms of how it uh, does things in states. And you see lots of different, you know, as I mentioned, political officials uh, getting behind these things, including even presidents to some degree. Um, but the the real adjustment happened right around, I want to say, uh, 1829, 1830. Uh, around this time, uh, President Andrew Jackson, uh, I, I wouldn't say he exactly created this, but uh, he, he really championed the idea of greater rights among the common man and really opposing many signs of aristocracy here in America. And so that led to the ideology of the Jacksonian Democrats. Um, opposing them came the idea that we need to preserve common um, conservative beliefs, such as uh, protecting 
property, maintaining social order, and uh, preserving a distinct cultural identity. This became known as the Whig Party. Um, and as I've mentioned before, lots of different um, you know, presidents, political officials were, would be getting behind these. Um, the Jacksonian Democrats, after a time, uh, kind of dissolved into the party that we have now, and the Whig Party, going along the monitor of being conservative, eventually became the Republican Party that we know today. And so that's kind of how these things came about and kind of the way that these uh, things work. Now, one thing that I will say involving um, the, the kind of two ideology system that we're running off of right now is that it's largely dictated America's views on politics, both as a concept um, and in practice. It, it, a lot of people believe it has both positive and negative qualities. Some say that it's a whole lot easier to govern when there's only two. Uh, and it promotes generally promotes more central ideas uh, because the parties themselves have to appeal to large swaths of people rather than having you know eight or nine parties for all the different viewpoints that can be centered around an issue. Whereas some other people believe that having kind of two parties that dissolve a lot of thoughts into a central idea um, generally tend to shunt voter choice and kill uh, separate viewpoints that don't align with either, you know, a major party or any of the uh, third parties that exist. And the, the, one of the major kind of um, criticisms that we, we come to when, when we deal with the two-party system that we have is that third parties kind of don't exist. We know that they do. We've seen, you know, libertarian candidates on like basically every presidential ballot. However, they are generally not considered with the same amount of um, really anything that the, the Republican or Democrat candidates are for the main reason that we, we, you know, we focus very heavily on obviously the two parties that we're dealing with, obviously why we call it a two party system. So my question is to you guys, what would American politics look like without parties at all? Hmm. I mean, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Elaborate. Um, sorry, why? Why doesn't that work? Yeah. Um, because, so how do you, okay, how do you, how do you run for office? How do you garner, like, how do you garner political power? How do you organize political power? Um, without say without the creation without accidentally creating um political parties like the moment that you have um the moment you and a friend from work both say hey this um we feel this thing about about something you've created a political party really yeah like that's that's the that's the concept of like packs right like this political action group is you have a group of people who who feel a particular like who feel a particular way and want to act upon it like that's a that's a political action committee that's that's an extension of a like that is a small political party so any any group of people to you then any any group of people that share a common ideology are a political party when you decide to act yes when you decide to act politically, yeah. Um, now it doesn't turn into the the, the 
you know, and in principle, you know, like I think most people are like, would be like, would have a problem if like, if that wasn't true. Right. If like you, if um, you had, if it was illegal for a group of people to come together and um, agree upon certain principles and try to get them enacted, like that would be like some authoritarian regime. Right. It would violate the first amendment. Well, it'd certainly violate the first amendment. <laughs> yeah. But and I was like, but just the, the next logical extension of that is okay. Well, then we look. So then, like, then what do you do? Well, you look to add more people, and you need to add more resources, whether in terms of financial or like or um, just uh, operations. But like, then you you are building. It's like like on a small scale. That's what the Republican Party. That's what the Democratic Party is. Um, I think for me, um, Alex's premise, I mean, I, I think I basically agree with that. Um, my only pushback is it seems like it's only from the perspective of those running for office. Um, unless I don't completely understand the question and not from the voters perspective. So, the, I mean, that's in general, I agree with that, but I think that, um, Actually, could you repeat the question? I want to make sure that I'm sure wrapping so, my mind uh, the, around it the right way. Yeah, the question I, I know I gave a lot of information in the preamble, but the question itself is fairly simple. What mm -hmm. does American politics look like without parties? And this is this is coming from any side, whether it's the side of a voter, right, the right. side of someone running for office, because I mean those those are two very different distinctions to make, right? Like a person yeah, who is attempting so. to be an elected official is very different than a voter. So I, I think so because I think that a lot of what Alex has pointed out makes it easier for someone who's running for office. I mean, in some way, you will figure out a way to build a network to help you to get your name out, to gain influence, uh, to be seen a certain way. But I think from the perspective of a voter, I think uh, without a political party, I think it'd be easier, flatter, simpler. Uh, my vote, my vote, one vote, in tallied up with everyone else's and now i'm assuming that there's no electoral college <laughs> yeah, in in this system well, I, I would also assume that there would be no electoral college yeah well you're, right. we're making some other assumptions in there too right so mm -hmm. the electoral system in general um so you're saying so you're suggesting well i, I vote for a, i vote for a single person <clears throat> but if you don't have a political party to identify who's running for a particular position, then you have 13 people to vote for. And then how do you choose? I mean, that's a, what you're basically saying is that parties give identity to otherwise anonymous players, right? So if you don't know anything else, you know a little bit about the party and based on the party's philosophy, you can then come to terms with making some sort of a an educated vote. The problem there is you still don't know the person, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and that's kind of what I'm struggling with in my mind. Um, I'm thinking about it strictly from the voter's perspective because I still go in as much as I study before I go into the polls, there's always some judge or some obscure person and, you know, judges aren't supposed to be in parties, but uh, there, there's always this obscure person that I don't know anything about. I personally feel uncomfortable voting for someone that I've just not uh, 
connect it with through my studies of, you know what I mean, of who's running. So I think it would mean voters would have to work a little bit harder to get to know candidates and candidates will work, have to work a lot harder to get their philosophies out there. And it would be more of a horse race, you know, um, with a lot more horses at the gate. So I, I don't think I agree, actually. I think without parties, our politics would be, the range of possibilities would be incredibly narrow and extremely conservative way way more conservative and i don't mean conservative in the sense of like small taxes i mean conservative in the sense of anti-change because one thing that parties allow you to do and packaging candidates together underneath the label of a party is it allows you to say so um Joe Biden is going to be conservative on matters of, say, economics, but he's also going to embrace more liberal matters of climate change, right? It allows you to package progressive ideas together with conservative ones. And what that does is it does allow progressive ideas to get a foothold in. It gets them in the door. But that's only possible because you can package it all together in a way that makes it acceptable and palpable. If it wasn't for that, ideas that were really pushing the envelope would, I don't think they'd have a natural entryway Um, because change is scary to people. Change is hard. And if given no other options, I think a lot of people just sort of default towards keeping things largely as they are. Um, So I, I, I think without a way to package it together, you would have basically everybody would just default to the completely acceptable position and maybe would be very hesitant. Um, But you would also, my other concern, and I, I thought about this from a voter's perspective too, also Francine, I don't know how you could possibly vote because when you're voting for a candidate, you're voting for like 15 things. And you know, without a party, like would I have to vote for a separate, here's an abortion issue and here's X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I mean, I don't know how that would, how that would actually work. Well, maybe because we don't have experience with it, that it's hard for us to really embrace or even picture. But I do think that sometimes the closer the vote is, to the source or the outcome of what the vote it's supposed to uh, affect, that it will be more of a reflection of those who voted. So I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna I have to weigh in here. Um. Uh. So let's. So I'm gonna take a step back and say. So if we don't. So if we have 13 people. Okay. So for math's sake, let's say we have 10 people running for pre, uh for a position. It doesn't matter what the position is. Pick pick a position, and there are 10 people running for it, voting for it, mm-hmm. running for that position. Mm-hmm. Um. So, ha, as a voter, um, I say. So, what type of system? What type of system do you have to fairly determine who is the best candidate for that position? Are you saying that parties are the fair way to determine say, well, who should I'm, run for a position? No, I'm saying that they are more fair. 
More fair. They are more fair. And um, I, will, I will present math. Right, um, yeah. Well, I, uh, some states, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I interrupted. Okay. So I say, so do you, um, would you just suggest that you just put down somebody's name? You just pick the person, the pick, pick the person that you want to, to fill it. Is that how you would want this to work? So I think the, the way that I oh. would, I'm sorry, Josh. I didn't know if that was a question to me or to whomever, whoever wants to answer. My brain says it would be a ranked choice voting. Like in my in my opinion, that's probably the best way when you're dealing with like more than one candidate is to to rank choice it. Um. So rank choice uh, has some pretty. I mean, is is better? Is certainly better than like the, than um n people. I say than n people popular choice, but you still there's still some weird things that come as a result of that, right? Fair. Um, and so it's quite possible to have someone, I mean, okay, so the, the uh, Republican primary season, 70% of Republicans voted not Trump. Now they just split that Trump, they just split that vote five different ways. And so Trump ended up like that his 30% kind of carried over every, over everybody else. Um, but 70% of people said, no, not this guy. In fact, they said anybody, but this guy. Yeah. Well, are you crediting the party system for that? Or because I'm not I, really I'm clear. Saying, on your I would actually argue that if you had a more competent party um, who could have uh, say whittled down the field that, yeah, we do. Then like Trump doesn't win the primary. Oh. The, the party's incompetence um, to you know, to present a reasonable field led to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I get what you're saying. I'm also, so thinking on it again, I'm also going to try to, I'm going to try to take a stab at answering the question in the spirit it was presented. Right. <laughs> I'm going to take a stab at it. I'm going to make an honest stab because I think it's a great question. And I do want to try to imagine something way bolder and weirder, which I think is kind of what the question is driving at. Like, let's right. be weird. Let's That's exactly weird. what the question was let's driving get strange. at. Let's get strange. Thank you, Anthony. So in a world without parties, your government would be impermanent, would be the only way this would work, right? So as issues arose, people would have to vote for representatives to, to narrowly tackle that issue. So you would have to have way more elections. Wait a minute. Like, Are you saying that representative democracy part is carried by the part? So why why I, does a representative democracy part, why is that whittled away because of, if there's no parties? I mean, is it? I thought that the representatives who are elected hold that part up, not the parties themselves. Well, so what I'm saying you'd have to whittle away is because candidates would no longer represent an umbrella of issues i don't think i just don't think they could without parties candidates would have to run on a thing so we would go all right we we need to address this national question of health care we're going to hold a referendum vote around the country where people are going to vote for candidates who are directly and they're going to answer this question and then they're going to disband See, I don't even think now, it would be this that creates, Now, this creates issues on topics that need long-term stability, foreign policy, for instance. I think you would all I think we could also argue, though, that one of the original 
pillars of the country was we should maybe stay the hell out of foreign affairs by and large, right? They argued against permanent treaties and permanent alliances, and I think they would argue, well, okay, like by and large, the rest of the world. Now, again, I I am addressing the question. I see Alex. I see Alex. We're on Zoom. Alex is shaking his head at me for the audience. I see you shaking your head, Alex. Again, I am addressing the question in a wild, experimental uh, frame of mind. You know what? I think I'm not going to take part in this part. I'll let you guys hammer this part. But, but look, <laughs> but let's be imaginative. I mean, let's imagine something way bolder and way crazier and way weirder. Uh-oh. Alex can't contain himself. Now, yes, Alex has dropped <laughs> World War II. And yes, World War II is the perfect example of why this system buckles and doesn't respond. Because it's a tragedy that requires a long-term, massive response, right? But the only way to do this system would simply be a more impermanent government. You would see referendums like we saw in California about affirmative action, where they go directly to the people. They go, we have this question about affirmative action, or they the question they just did with the uh, Uber, the tech companies, and unionizing and, and all that stuff, right? We have this question. We're going to put it to the people. They're going to decide directly, and that's what we're going to do. I'm still struggling with that a little bit. I know I say I'd stay out of it, but my mouth opened before my brain <laughs> could stop it. <laughs> um, so if I'm going into that imaginary space and we're a country with no parties, again, I don't necessarily see myself voting on every single issue. I see myself voting. Let's say there's Joe Biden. Let's say there's Donald Trump. and Let's say there's eight other people running for office independent of each other. I think the biggest difference that parties or lack of parties would offer was this treasure trove of money, right? They, they're money uh, making mechanisms um, for these groups to maintain a certain amount of power and government. And they maintain uh, a certain list of issues that resonate with their bases that allow the money to keep coming in. Now, whether they address those issues every time they're in office is a totally different issue. That usually is not the case. It's maybe one or two of those issues. But they say, this is what we believe. The other side says, this is what they believe. So if that goes away, then the individual candidates have to become proficient at saying what they believe. They're elected the same for the same amount of time. They're still representing voters. They're still doing the same thing. The only thing in my world is that the parties play a lesser role or there's no role at all, based on your question, Josh. Uh, in the sense that there's a direct connection between, I don't have to go to the Republican office to interact with someone. I can go straight to my my favorite politician for a governor or secretary of state or president. We're supposed to be kind of able to do that now. But my point is, it flattens the hierarchy. And it sort of makes it similar to the way it is when 34 people are applying for a job for a corporation. And they go in and they do these round robin interviews. And when those people are hired for the job, those same people aren't coming back and checking with them on every single issue. They hire them to do this job. And so it would turn more into a hiring process is the way that I, I don't think I articulated earlier, but that's kind of the way that I see it. And because of that, it's going to force voters. The example I told you guys earlier when I'm in the booth and I don't know this person, well, that can't be an excuse in that space. I'd have to become more educated as a voter. I can't rely on the parties to tell me what this person believes. I would have to go out 
and find out what this person believes. The other side of that is I retain more of my power as a voter. And who funds that? See, again, that's a party-based narrative. No, uh, I'm, I'm, ask, I'm asking you if you want to say if you want to run and you need to talk to people, how are you going to, how are you going to do that? So in my imaginary system, the way the way that people would do that is they will ask for donations individually. Right. They would be allowed to take nonprofit donations. They can go into an escrow account that they can use on their uh, election campaigns. Who's monitoring that? Oh, we can make it the Secretary of State. So you want you want the Secretary of State? So are you going to trust the Secretary of State not to play favorites? Well, um, you choose whomever you want to oversee it. It doesn't really matter. But, but the point is, the point is, they can raise money. They raise money now. Well, A lot sorry, of times, sorry. the money is raised on personality, but so, it's banked by the parties. Right. Okay. So what I what, what I really wanted to push back on here was that you said that it flattened the hierarchy, and I said no, it just yeah. moves the hierarchy. I think it flattens it from the voter's perspective. And when it comes to the voting experience and holding someone accountable, I vote for you, Alex, because you said you are going to support health care for pre-existing conditions. I have a family where two people in my household have pre-existing conditions. This is important for me, so I'm going to vote for you. You get into office based on my vote and many others. So I'm holding you directly to account to that. Um, it's, it's more or less, I think, making the relationship between the voter and those they elect a little bit more intimate or as intimate as you could get. If you, if you do not have a party organizing this, um, what, you end, what you will end up with is um, like aristocrats will ha uh, say, will decide who, who, who's run businesses, corporations. See, you will have the Kroger candidate. Yeah, actually, Alex, you already have that because these entities are giving a large amount of money to parties, right? Now, pharmaceutical industry gives so much money to both parties. The insurance industry gives money to both parties. The NRA, well, they're mainly Republican. But my point is, these large entities are already doing that. And that's part of the problem. It's like voters, it's hard for a common every man, every woman to interrupt that process because the parties are wedged in there so firmly in between the voters and those they're, they're voting for. Right, but like, so the hierarchy exists regardless. I'll just say, um, the, say the party system actually just actually acts as a, I say acts as a acts as a leveler because you are um, because you are not funded by a single source. You're still funded by competing sources. Let me ask you this: Who owns the parties? That's a really good question, and um, I don't think I don't think there's a clean answer. That's the problem. <laughs> Those are the people who are really in charge. Whoa! <laughs> but I don't, okay. But I, my argument is that there isn't a single entity in charge. That um. If they were, the government would be more competent. The parties would be more competent. <laughs> that's, that that's might not, be a little yeah. bit. <laughs> that, that's, I think. No, because they, they would have they would have set they would have an agenda. They would have a set agenda. Well, As that's a, what we would hope of, they would have. They could have a set agenda a now. A person it's, has a set agenda. Mm -hmm. A group of people do, um, sometimes have a have an agreed upon set, like an agenda. And the larger that group of people, the more the more difficult it is to have an agreed agenda. Hence the party. 
right? There's That's a lot what of I'm people. Saying. Well, well, I guess I'm just coming at it from a different way. I'm not in total disagreement with you, Alex, but what I'm doing is reimagining the world in such a way where the voters get a bigger win. That's all. You know, it, it seems as though. Well, so. I don't think it's realistic. So I well, think that's depressing. <laughs> so I think here what what Josh's question almost harkens back to. And this is acknowledgement that every system has all sorts of crazy flaws. Yeah. Of course. Pick, it's pick the flavor you want. What Josh's question, it, it it almost harkens back to uh, Athenian style democracy where parties really didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Now, this was, as Alex pointed out, much heavily arist- ar- ar- aristocratic. Yeah. You know, the, the the legislative body was overwhelmingly, it, I mean, it was an ar- aristocratic. It was wealthy, landed gentry, mm-hmm. uh, people who could self-fund by and large. That's what it was made up of. But it did not have what we would think of as political parties. Um, there were there were sometimes blocks but they weren't enduring blocks they would come together to decide an issue and then they would separate again Hmm. now again this made it aristocratic and it made it more raucous uh definitely could be more chaotic but uh it was also more direct and i think that's the that was the argument that i was yeah yeah and that's that's what josh is almost hearkening back to i mean that's what you would have now the, the question as alex mentioned can you do that with 330 million people? Well, that, this was that the founder's question. A bit harder to yeah. manage, absolutely. This was um, the founder's well, question. The idea we... was almost that direct democracy is impossible in large countries. It just simply can't work. So uh, maybe, so are we saying that the political parties are necessary to, in order to have a representative democracy, we must have a democratic, a democratic Republican Party. Is that what you're saying? The founders thought no. so. Well, so. Well, not specifically those parties, but having parties. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. They felt that way, but they could have been wrong. Very true. They don't have to be right. 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 I just don't well, think we know, we know enough. Right about. Right. That's true. That's where I was going to go to. <laughs> um, okay. Where there was that thing, you know. <laughs> okay, so suppose suppose I'm willing to entertain. Suppose they're wrong. I'm willing to entertain. <laughs> How do you say result of these problems? I think by not lumping them all in, for one, I think that a fair review. First of all, Josh probably knows this. This is a huge question. We're trying to. It's been oversimplified, but it, there's a lot of interchanging, interchanging, and interexchanging systems that would have to be considered in order to really think this through and give a fully well thought out answer um, to it because I think there are elements to what what everybody's saying. I I, told, I, I agree with them. I mean, there there's just some, it, but it's really because we've been exposed to the party system, so we we can all kind of see certain things, and we're close enough. And uh, ideally, ideally, idealistically, that's probably a better word, where we can agree on on some of the effects. Of, of having parties versus not having parties. But what I am trying to reimagine is what if, uh, you know, the biggest thing with mob rule was kind of classist, if you think about what Madison and others were saying. 
you know, if, if you put it in proper context, there was a lot of fear mongering around this concept of Mabru. So we really haven't, we really haven't vetted this idea, this notion of having voters uh, not necessarily vote on every single issue, but vote directly for individuals. Therefore, taking it from, you know, in Indiana, and for a governor, what, what do we have? We had four or five people running anyway. <laughs> we were halfway to your part, uh, your number, Alex. So we had that amount running anyway. But taking it to the point where the ballot is the same, but it isn't a party, it's just the name of a person, and we go there with full knowledge or no knowledge, and we cast a vote. I mean, we really just don't know enough is my point. But I'd like to imagine that there's a solution that gives more power back to the voters because after the election, voters are pretty much ignored. And, and um, I don't know, I, I, I think that sometimes the two party system does a disservice and does a good job of actually dissuading voters to educate themselves. Like I think there's certain things that would would come about if we didn't have the parties and we were we were educating ourselves about certain aspects of our system so well okay so we're making a couple of assumptions here and we haven't resolved any of them yet mm -hmm. so there's a, certainly an electoral system that gives more power to voters than um than, than the than the current two-party system um or so than our current actually pause than our current electoral system right there are you could come up with different um uh systems like that to address those problems but that's a separate that's a separate entity of can you have i'll say um then what does politics look like if you outlaw political parties and then there's another question of do you limit it to two political parties um or let's say, are multiple political parties possible? And again, those problem those problems are actually related. The, the they are and have two. Go ahead, Josh. I was gonna say that they are, and that that's actually my second question, which I haven't really had a chance to ask yet. Uh, <laughs> I blame Alex and Anthony for that. I just want to take this opportunity to blame those. Guys. Well, um, <laughs> so the I'll let you go, Josh. But the other thing, so I'll say. I'll let you go. And, and but I think, I'll let you go, but I need to I'll, say this well, one let me make this fast. last. Yeah, look, Kanye, I'm going to let you finish, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and Alex, I think you would probably know more about this because uh, you and I have talked about it. And Francine, Josh, you guys may too. We just haven't broached the subject. But this, this idea is partly what they were trying to figure out with the French Revolution, with the three estates. So it's very much. The idea of like we have three legislative bodies mm. you know one was clergy one was the aristocracy and the other one was was the peasants who were all not just voting but they were part of government and and this was the idea they, they i mean these ideas they were trying to hash out some of these same ideas of like do we need a you know monarchies what we might even think of today as a presidency do we need a, do we even need a head of state necessarily i mean the romans were like do, are we sure we need a permanent head of state they're like but what if there's to your world war ii question they're like yeah but that's what the emergency powers are for now famously 
this did not work when one guy decided to stick around <laughs> and extend his reign forever. Yeah. But <laughs> no, I mean, but that was the idea they kicked around. Like people have tried to kick around. That's one reason I ask. The founders don't have to be right. Because other people have tried to kick around this the same idea for hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands of years. And I don't think we've quite settled on like are we at the ideal form? Like mm-hmm. or do we need to do we need to evolve? Like I for sure don't think <laughs> that we have reached our final form as a nation, but I think that in order to actually progress, we need to change the way we think about politics. And that's a that's a conversation for another day. Um, I'm going to take a second and answer my own question before we move on, because uh, what I originally thought whenever I wrote out this question is very similar to what a lot of people have already said. I think that with the current way that we believe and operate in America, if we took away the party identity, we as a people would care a whole lot more about specific candidates and all the things involving them, all the ways that they get funding, all the things that they do, we would care a whole lot more about the way that each individual candidate both acts, wants to do in office, and how they operate um, in comparison to how they just kind of affiliate themselves with a red or blue, and then we just care about the red or blue part. Um, I think that the the current state of our political system makes it too easy for people to not have to care about you know the people that we're putting in office, the ideas that are being thrown forth, and I think that if we did away with parties entirely, um, then this is coming from a voter perspective here. I, I feel like it would be a whole lot more work from a like voter standpoint to actually learn, as Francine mentioned, each of the candidates and what they stand for and obviously what they're electing them for. Uh, but I feel like, as you mentioned, Alex, if, if we're electing anybody in this non-party system, it's normally for a very specific reason. Like right now as a nation, we care about healthcare. We're electing this person for four years to revamp our healthcare system. And then we'll elect somebody else to handle something else as it comes up um, or like whatever that situation is supposed to be. I imagine as you mentioned, this would function a lot more like uh, democracies of the past where people would come together to handle an issue or a series of issues and then they would like disband because they don't necessarily agree on everything, but they would agree enough on this one issue to work on it together for however long that needs to happen. I honestly think there are different flavors of democracy. And um, like I said, we have experience with with a couple of those flavors, you know, we've morphed over a couple of generations. But I think it would be interesting to kind of think through this. So I'll definitely be chewing on this a little bit more to reimagine what it might be like. That's know. the whole point of America. What if? <laughs> well, I mean, so my other, my, I, I do want to move. I do want to move on. I do want to move on. Just, uh, but shoes on the other foot now. <laughs> My my issue with the world that you uh, want to live in, Francine, is that voters have finite bandwidth. Um, voters are people first, and they're voters second. And I, I don't have the I don't have the time to be a political expert on the um, specific uh, positions of thirteen people and decide who I most agree with. There, I don't have I do not have the space to do that. Um, when I had I say when I'm worried about my kids, when I'm worried about my job, when I'm worried about the house payment, when I'm worried about getting the chores done, mm-hmm. I, the, the, 
it doesn't work. Well, I hear you. To, you. I'm you sorry. You have to reimagine the media. That's what I was about to say, actually. It's not like the media is going to, we're not going back to the Stone Age, like the media and whatever resources are available. It's just that we have to dig in. Well, we, I would probably be digging in the same way, to be honest with you. But I would be doing a little bit more to understand where their money is coming from. Um, I kind of do that a little bit now, but it's just harder to trace. Once it hits the party, it's hard. I think it would be even harder to trace individually. You think so? It might be. It really depends on if we're setting up our system. It depends on how we set it up. And if we, you know, we're forced. I I thought reporting, though, I thought that they had to report a certain where they got money from over a certain amount. That was this is my vague memory. Right, right. But that's centralized through a party and you can audit it. If it's 13 different people, who's maintaining who's auditing them? But it wasn't part of the you'd have to have a neutral party audit them. You'd have to have a fun like a it no, wasn't extraordinarily difficult, but it wasn't extraordinarily difficult. And again, I'm I'm actually kind of playing devil's advocate as much as anything else. I'll just be honest here. But um, it wasn't difficult to track sources of money, right? The enterprises they manage comes from their land. It's actually easy to track how they make their money because it's based in the stuff they have. It's based in the stuff, more tangible things. Now, some of that has shifted. Obviously, we have the stock market. Sources of wealth are more intangible now than ever. But your your local wealthy person, you can still like, like it, it wouldn't take us long to figure out. For instance, where did Jim Ursay get his money from? Largely, we can find that out. Now, there's stuff on the edges where stocks and things like that. But, like, by and large, we can figure out. If Jim Ursay wants to be the, the local guy, I can, I can track his wealth. But when he becomes a pool of a huge party that has billions upon billions upon billions of dollars pouring in from all over the country, you have people in California funding races other places. Like, it becomes impossible to track. Um, or attached to certain individuals, right? Right. right. Landed gentry makes their money from their land. That's the, that's the thing about landed gentry. <laughs> I think you better ask that other question, Josh. Okay, so yeah, let's let's just go ahead and move on. So um, now we're gonna look at the other side of the coin here. So obviously, we we currently live in a multi-party system. However, there are only two parties that effectively matter. So the question then becomes, what would American politics look like if our multi-party system had multiple parties that were not only relevant, but also viable? Now, this is my preferred outcome. I'll just be clear. My preferred outcome would be more relevant parties, not no parties. Well, so we we have, uh, okay, so we have four parties. We have two. We have four functional parties. Well, um, there is the um, green. There's a green the, libertarian. There's no, no, no. There's the corporate Democrats. There are the progressives. There are the corporate Republicans, and there are the um, Trump Republicans. Fascists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let me call the lawyers. <laughs> don't be if you don't want to be labeled a fascist, don't be a fascist. It's not hard. I believe in you. Right. <laughs> Make room for Jesus in your heart. 
<laughs> the throwback. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get that out of my head. Thanks a lot, Alex. Oh my god, that's so good. Anyway, so I mean, so like, yes, and so that there is an un there is an unfrequently unhappy marriage um, between two between these two fat between any two factions of the like of these groups. Um, and let's, and this comes to head every two to four years. Yes, yes, no, that is correct. And I would, the, and, and I'm I, not saying there, there would be consequences. Obviously, it wouldn't be perfect. But I would very much prefer those four groups to just cleave themselves from each other. Just yes, yeah, do it. Cut the cores between you guys and just go your separate ways. And let the cookies crumble and the chips fall where they may. We will work it out. But it would be much better if these groups stopped compromising their own ideals and ran on the things they actually believed in. <laughs> you are probably right. Um, though I will, and this is where we... You're fighting the electoral system, though. We determine... Let's say, so the, so the primary system is decided by, you know, by popular vote, and then the um, individual... And the presidency is described, you know, is described is um, defined by the electoral college, um, which is a combination of pot of statewide popular votes. Um, and if you have a system like that, where um, like just the popular vote rules, um, you you will it must diverge to two parties, like just math. Now the two parties can be different in like different regions. But every race will degenerate down into two parties, um, because yeah. I mean math. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get. I, I'm. I'm. There's actual math here. I'm just not going to give you the proof. Yeah, and and so like you're. you're oh, right. that sounds familiar. No proof. The, okay. I, I'm not doing. <laughs> Francine, if you want to have this conversation, I am happy to, to show you the proof later, but I'm not going to break it down for, for the listeners. Okay. Oh, okay. There's a very formal proof. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Let's go golfing. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Let's right. go golfing. Sure. Socially distanced golfing. Socially distanced golfing. Right, um, right, right. You, you have a putt-putt course in your backyard, right, Francine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just for this occasion. Just for this occasion. Yes. Nice. yes. No, I'm just teasing. I mean, I see your point. Um, I see the point of having multiple parties. And I think, though, it's, it's you know, there, some of the challenges that we have with the two parties are still going to exist. I just wonder if it's going to be exacerbated oh. or minimized. So I think you could, sorry, what were you saying, Francine? No, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah, sure. Just go right ahead. Okay. Talk over me. I don't exist. No, I'm See? <laughs> now look. I'm just joking. Jokes, guys. So maybe, again, let's be weird. Maybe you can wedge it in somehow to the electoral system. So let's say we had this multi-party system. Mm. Let's say that given the way they lean, which is to say they lean way left of the country let's imagine a world where possibly new york and california vote for the progressive party Ooh. right where they are clearly progressive party and they're also the two biggest electoral grabs on the map uh unless texas has slipped in between them but they're two of the three certainly right so let's say and you have a centrist democrat 
who, in wanting to get a clean electoral victory, says, well, what if I make more overt what is now behind the scenes, right? Right now, there's behind the scenes politicking and maneuvering. I'll trade you this in exchange for your support. If you bring it out to the open, you get what they have in Europe, which is very, or like the UK, which is very clear coalition building. In exchange for your support, I will give you X. You say, look, if you can bring New York and California into the coalition, we will give you explicit things that your progressive side actually wants. That's a way to try to wedge it into the electoral system. Now, obviously, if we're overriding the whole thing and we're doing rank choice, that's a whole different conversation. But if we're only, you know, not flipping over the whole apple cart at once, maybe. Right. But maybe we can like wedge it in. Right. Or states that are way more conservative ask for a very explicit ask. But then also maybe the two centrist parties go, look, what if we come together and we just let New York and California vote for whoever they want? And we also let like mm. Mississippi and Alabama vote for whoever they want. And maybe we can form an insider centrist coalition with each other where where, you know, uh, where like Michigan comes together with like a slightly red state, right? Where like a slightly blue state like Wisconsin comes together with this, you know, whatever the most you know slightly red state is this time around, right? Maybe they come together. Iowa, right? So maybe Wisconsin and Iowa, maybe Kansas go. Maybe I can get a track that has like Wisconsin, Iowa, Pennsylvania, Georgia, the Carolinas. Toss in another kind of blue state, right? Like, uh, I don't know, like, what's another kind of blue state? Like, wait, you know, or like uh, Vermont this time voted for Susan Collins, but not, no, not Vermont. Maine. Maine. Maine voted for Susan Collins and also Joe Biden. We like, we wedge Maine in there and we like wedge a weird centrist track and just let the big power grabs go their own way. Hey, um, uh, it's not perfect. I'm just saying, is it possible? No. All right. <laughs> I actually heard a discussion electoral- about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> the electoral college says no. On um, the electoral college says you have to have two that you have to have 270 votes to win, and if no one wins, if no one has 270, then the Senate decides. Yeah. Can you so, get to 270 with a map like this? No. It would have to change. Yeah, I, I think and based if, on yeah, it would have to shift if you have multiple parties. Sorry, so if, you, yeah. if you have four parties, right? If you have four parties and they vie and like and they're vying for different states, um, the most common occurrence is that the Senate decides. Probably every time. You know what, Josh? I heard a, a similar discussion to this regarding having multiple parties. And I think the outcome of that discussion, which which was quite interesting, um, was that uh, they thought that states would have a more distinctive voice in national politics. You would see states, their identities kind of uh, a little bit more distinct, become more distinctive than they are now, uh, because the, they would be able to, parties would be able to connect with states where they are, where they want to stay, instead of uh the 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 uh like for instance senators having to pander more to the two party system there would probably be a party that 
would resonate with the southern region, for instance, or the northwest region, or, you know, so you would probably see more of those distinctions. That's kind of where that discussion went. Um, and I think just like with that discussion, there was a, a discussion of, of if we went that way, then there would be either no need or no way that the Electoral College would be able to function as it currently does. Um, it would be rendered, um, well, useless is <laughs> the only word that I can come up with, right. uh, similar to what Alex is saying, simply because if they're all viable parties, we currently have multiple parties, but if we have viable parties, if we have a lot of Donald Trump's and a lot of uh, Joe Biden's running, you know, viable candidates running for these viable parties with these viable parties or on the tickets of these parties, then it makes the race more competitive and split more. So the, the a current electoral college works best with two parties, in my opinion, based on that. Yes, but also you get, so it's decided by popular vote, right? So each state is decided by popular vote. Well, yeah. So, okay, so you have the, so you have the Trumpist party, you have the, um, you have the, fa okay, you have the fascist party, you have the Republican party, you have the Democratic party and the progressive party. Um, so suppose that the, the, um, the... Now, to be fair, Alex, the fascists would call the progressive socialists. Just going to put that on the table. I'm, but... I'm just saying, just for the sake of discussion. They can say that, but that's not <laughs> what reality is. Okay, never mind. I'm not even going to argue that with you. win. Let's go. <laughs> oh, all right. So suppose, um, let's look at, let's um, look at North Dakota. Uh, mm -hmm. South Dakota. Uh, well, the South Dakota. So okay. suppose that, um, say that the the Democrats run a say run a pretty like a red you know um, blue dog Democrat. So like a more conservative, more corporatist conservative uh, candidate. Um, so the fascist party gets thirty percent. The um, the uh, other part, uh, the Republicans. Brittany can't get over that word. I know. She can't. <laughs> this is the he world means. Sorry. He means um, the, the currently like, Trump supporting wing of the Republican that's Party. Like, that's like the, that's like the Republican Party pulls um pulls thirty uh say pulls thirty percent. I say let's say thirty five percent. Thirty five percent. But then the Democrat Party ends up pulling forty. Say pulls the remaining forty percent. You have then an instance where most of the state said we want something to the right of this, but because they split the vote, like the, say the the state goes. Uh, say the state goes to another. Um, goes to the other party. Uh, oh, okay. How do you how do you how do you resolve this tension? I think in this system, like every system. I feel like we should just abolish the electoral college and the, that shouldn't decide how whatever office that we're talking about. Cause I'm assuming we're talking about presidency right now. Um, I, I feel like the electoral college shouldn't decide it. It should be a total calculated popular vote among all the States. Okay. This is, that doesn't actually solve this problem. So suppose we're talking about the Senate. We're just talking about a Senator from North Dakota, 70% of the people who uh, say 60% uh, of the people who voted are unhappy. 60% of the people are unhappy with the, with the, with the election, with the election result. Um, only 40% of the people are happy. Um, and that's, um, sorry, only 30% of the people are, are happy. <laughs> Explain. How do, how fix. 
Josh Anthony, you heard the man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted. I was playing around with weird electoral maps, so I'm not gonna. Maybe I was listening, but I was just. So I, I guess I guess maybe I'm confused. Um, so just to make sure I'm understanding your example correctly, we're talking about a situation where a senator from North Dakota is being elected, and it's not an electoral map issue. Right. right. So this is, this is this a popular, is, vote just popular vote yeah. issue where 40 percent of the people who voted voted for a candidate and they were the majority. Yes. Yep. And so if say, but 60 percent of the people wanted someone to the right of that, they just split the vote. 60 percent of the of the state is unhappy with the results, but because of the way that um that's like people because they split the vote mm -hmm. that's, that's uh, just as that's just as anti-democratic well it's a lesson in is democracy it, it, though? though i mean yeah i'm having a like you, if you there was a if, in this system francine you if, want if, multiple political parties if this there was a majority well actually i didn't just for the record i didn't say i wanted multiple that was anthony who said multiple okay. i said no right. political party okay anthony said he wanted to live in a yeah. world with multiple viable political right. parties this mm -hmm. is why we don't have multiple viable political parties well, well under under this system though this is kind of i think what josh mentioned we you would have to redo how we elect people yeah i mean it only works with ranked choice voting oh, because, under, okay. because presumably under this system what you would if you did ranked choice voting the 60 percent, you know 30 percent of them wanted candidate a and their second choice was candidate b mm -hmm. and once you counted everybody's you know first you know no one gets a majority right so you have 40 30 30 no one gets a majority you go to everybody's second pick if everybody who you know if 15% of the, if 25% of the people who chose candidate A also chose candidate B as number two, right, that right. person gets 55%, the popular will is still satisfied. Correct. So you'd have, I mean, like, I, I'm kind of assuming, I don't know if this is how you meant the question, Josh, but I'm assuming, like, my weird electoral map thing aside, like, you would have to also totally overhaul that. Well, yeah, like in, in each of these scenarios, we're not keeping the current political system or the current voting system in any way, shape or form. There, there would there would be separate uh, voting and election systems designed for the fact that these parties either don't exist or exist uh, in much greater number uh, than we currently have. So like. The, this wasn't a thought experiment that was saying like, how does this work with our current politics? This is how would this look if we completely adjusted right. our political system around these differences? But I don't. But you don't have the parameters. You don't have the parameters for me to 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 do that. What, what does it Be look weird. like? Then? But Be see, weird, this is, Alex. This is the thing. It, I the think madness. I think everything if, that you're doing, Alex, is based on what you currently know. If he's saying just outside of the box thinking and it's not connected or reference to our current system sure okay but I, i'm willing and i'm willing to discard the current system but what's the new system what are the rules of the new system that's the point that was Alex. the question I, that was the question what does that look like to you <laughs> what would that what, how would that look what does american politics look like if but well, that wasn't the question the question was what does the american politics look like if we have multiple um multiple parties that's that's different than 
if we have multiple parties and we have a ranked choice voting system. Those are different things. Okay, I get what you're okay, saying. Okay, okay, little Mr. Science. All right. <laughs> I, I, needed, I needed to give you the whole question, apparently. I only gave you half of it. All right. I'm willing to take that. Now, there's one more thing I wanted to cover. I'm, I'm ready to move on, so we're going to move on. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to cover, because those were the, the two major questions, obviously, because g- given that we have a two-party system, the idea is to take each of those to their logical extremes and see what that looks like. Now, were you raising your hand, Anthony? Or- no. Oh, okay. Stress it. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I I have I have a question. <laughs> you're kid. <you're> kid. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I wasn't ignoring you. Um, so, my my next question is is uh, more more rooted in our current uh, political climate, but it's it's about how a lot of the people in today's America at least in my mind and in the minds of the other people that I've talked to in order to make this question, um, feel as though people care a whole lot more about the idea of the parties rather than the ideas that these parties are supposed to represent. So my question to you is, is current day American politics more concerned with the actual either liberal or conservative as the ideologies that the parties are supposed to manifest or do people now care more about the moniker of the party than anything else? Do people care more about being a Democrat or Republican than the actual ideologies that those parties are supposed to represent? I got you. Hmm. What do you think about that? Because I'll give you my answer, but I, I want to know what you guys think first. What you think? <laughs> um, I, I know... Personally, I'm not as uh, politically motivated as some of you guys are. You do a lot more political work than me, but obviously I'm, I'm someone who, who does research and I talk to people, um, even though my conversations tend to be uh, within people already in my own sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I acknowledge the fact that some of the things that I find are with people that also find the same things as me. I don't have a lot of talking across the aisle because most of my non-political or most of my my other friends are either non-political or they share a different stance, which to them means that I shouldn't be talking to them at all. <laughs> um, so <laughs> what I've come to find is that in, in both the, the things that I've seen in the people, with the people that I've talked to, it matters a whole lot more if you're a Democrat or a Republican than whether or not you're a liberal or conservative. Um, and I don't quite understand why, given that like not all Democrats are liberal and not all Republicans are conservative. That's never made sense to me. Um, or at least the, the way that people view that has never made sense to me, because in my mind, I, as far as I was aware, that's how the parties were supposed to be representing themselves. But like in current day American politics, your your gang sign matters a whole lot more than what those gangs are actually doing. That's another thing. Uh, it is a throwback. It <laughs> is a throwback. I, I'll, I'll go first, I guess. I think I agree with you, Josh. Um, political, the, the party labels have become a useful shorthand to just flatten us all out and just assign us a bunch of beliefs very fast, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, like, if you have to talk to me and ask me about my individual beliefs, you would find that on some things I am very progressive, like healthcare, 
is one where I'm like, yes, no, we should be doing the the most progressive option is the one I'm in favor of. But you would also find that on other issues, like I mentioned on, on our podcast before, on gun control, I am far, far more skeptical of big government intervention for uh, racial reasons. I am highly skeptical of letting the government have a power in that realm. And But if you had to talk to me, you would find that there's a lot of beliefs that seem to contradict one another because I'm a complicated person and not all my beliefs line up perfectly. That's just how people are. Um, you would find that I don't actively – I have not actively gone to church in a very long time yet am very comfortable – I'm comfortable with scripture and comfortable with religious ideas, but I not haven't attended church in decades. Um, but – you don't. If you don't want to take the time to get to know me, you can just call me a Democrat, and it's, uh, that's it. You can flatten me out and move on with your life. And so, yeah, I think they matter a lot more to people because it's just it's a useful way, right? Like a dating profile. We're just we're just all dating profiles. We're Facebook profiles. We're dating profiles. You just go, okay, yeah, this person likes one, two, three, four, five. They don't like puppies. Uh, they don't. We're we're good. I don't, you know swipe left or right whatever the hell tinder direction is whatever direction is dismiss them <laughs> i married i have no experience with tinder <laughs> at all as you as you should head. not as you should no not. idea which direction is what left or right means <laughs> not a clue but whichever you one next. dismisses whichever one dismisses that person just swat a fly swat a fly dismiss yeah. The fly. yeah there you go yeah, you know my political label enables you to either swipe left or right on me all right, so I'm going to take a hot take, and um, I'm going to say that the question to this, the answer to this question is irrelevant. All right. You say, you say you have a two-party system. Um, so <laughs> if I am say if you know you have a like if you have progressive beliefs, then it doesn't like then does it matter what who the like who the um, what the like particular Democrat um, running thinks is that different? Does it matter that it's different than what the party thinks? Uh, I mean, no, because they're not, they, they um, are at the very least would consider giving me health care. So um, they get my vote. And that's, that's the bar. Nothing else matters. But does it matter in your individual life? I mean, I that, mean, you're, that's more of what this question's going for. You're, you're in the process of, you know, uh, married, starting a family. So does it matter? I think it matters to some people's employers, for instance what their employees label themselves as it's not supposed to <laughs> but uh ask anybody who's ever worked in a in an office with other people if it matters they'll be like oh yeah it very much matters when promotion times come around for instance very much matters uh and we all are here in the state of indiana and given some of our political leanings i imagine we may all have some experience going hmm maybe my workplace isn't the, the I should just hide what I feel. <laughs> as far as your question, Josh, honestly, if I can jump in there really quickly, I think that it makes it easier for the parties to just flatten people out. It makes it easier just for processing quickly. But I think it does matter to some people. I think it depends on, it's more of a generational thing. I think there's some people who it matters to them to not just call them Democrat, but call me a progressive or don't just call me a Republican call me, you know, I'm not a Trump Republican. I'm a fiscal Republican or fiscal, the old school Republican, you know, versus a Trumpian. So, I mean, for some people, it, it seems to matter, but I'm not sure if it truly matters. 
you know, like I'm not sure if it's making anything any different than, you know, parties kind of getting comfortable with their changing ideologies and them figuring out how to make room for more people. Yeah. And okay. and that's a really great point you just made, Francine. Actually, I'm very happy you made that point uh, because it doesn't just matter between the parties. It matters within the parties. Mm -hmm. I... I like because of the nature of my beliefs, when I have actually opened up to people about the full nature of my beliefs, I have been like, oh, you're a you're a neocon like like I have had people to the left of me tell me I don't know anything about race. People who have known me for like 25 years have told me, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, Anthony. I'm like, you're you're a white dude in california are you serious like look who you're talking to people who knew that like i was called racist things growing up because i didn't conform to what their idea of a progressive was i was automatically part of this terrible centrist neocon democrat wing and like those people unfriended me they just stopped talking to me these are people who i had known again for for decades they were just like oh no He's one of them, the terrible centrist. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and 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 to yeah. be fair, that 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 actual argument. This was years ago, but it originated uh, because I did not agree that like police shootings were modern day lynchings. Because I said lynchings were lynchings, and were modern day police shootings are bad, but lynchings were much worse than you are probably imagining. It's like, you know, they had tea parties over hanging people. Like, that... Yeah. yeah they put hanging people on postcards. Yeah. Right. So I was like, police shootings are terrible. Let's ease off the modern-day lynching. That was what led to me being called like a neocon and, and crossed out. So it matters within the parties and between the parties. <laughs> All right, so I mean, no group is a monolith, and um, we we can't stress that enough, right? Um, yeah. I say, and labels are a powerful. So if the question is like, do people ascribe labels to themselves? Yes, um, it is a it is a thing that pe um that like humans do. It is part of our social socialization. Um, and what label you ascribe to yourself is uh, varies. Um, varies based upon like circumstance varies varies over time so i mean yes um but like does it do you have that label because of your beliefs um because of what the party because of what the party says or because of your own personal beliefs again uh, that there's not a for some people yes for some people no for some people and eh, politics um well yeah um, those were, <laughs> in a lot of words, um, the three <laughs> major questions uh, that I had regarding our two-party system and a lot of the ways that we think about it. So, guys, thank you for sharing your thoughts with me. I appreciated spending this time with you. And, uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and take it out.
This podcast has been brought to you in part by LYAG Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook uh, and all of the other social medias that we have out there. Thank you guys for hanging out with me today. Thank you guys for listening at home. Josh out.